the Oklahoma City Thunder pull off a blowout comeback survival win in Dallas? What just happened? We're going to recap it all right here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder, getting a blowout win, come from behind win, clutch time win, Every kind of win you can experience in a basketball season, they experienced in Dallas against the Mavericks. Chet Holmgren has a knack for making the clutch time plays. SGA was very impactful in this game. The bench showed up in a big way. We'll talk about it all in today's show brought to you by Game Time. Go download the Game Time app, create your account, use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Now, for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic was back. He missed Friday's game due to the birth of his first child. Kyrie Irving was out, though, on the second night of a back-to-back. Exum was out. Maxi Klebo was out. Josh Green was out. And Tim Hardaway Jr. were out. So uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., of course, he can fill it up. Kyrie, you know what he can do. So some valuable pieces gone for Dallas in this game. The Thunder, outside of their uh, two-way guys, they were fully healthy. The two-way guys, of course, uh, with the blue right now. Trey Mann didn't play, coach's decision, and then Mitch shouldn't play, coach's decision. Everybody else played. Everybody else uh, had a hand in this win for OKC. The Thunder started out in this game awful offensively. A, a, a terrible start offensively. Their first bucket doesn't come to like the nine-minute mark. And, and typically against an offense like Dallas, if Dallas is able to have a stretch like that defensively, uh, they're going to be in control because of how good they are offensively. The Thunder defense bought them some time to get things back on track. But at the end of the day, you know SGA ends that first quarter with just one point to his name. The Thunder got down five in that first quarter. Uh, the defense, of course, you know, stabilized the game for them until the shots began to fall. And then that second quarter rolls around, and the Thunder, for the second straight game, are led by J-Dub, who, who helps them push that lead to 16 points. SGA comes in uh, at the end of the second quarter with his, with his normal rotation, and he pushes it to 20-point lead for the Thunder, and eventually it gets to a 26-point lead. But, like, you saw – in this game, how good the Thunder can be when everything's working together. You know, even while SGA has just just one point, the Thunder had the lead, and the Thunder returned the lead to him uh, larger than, than it was whenever he left, and he had a the sixteen point lead to, to come back to, and that makes the Thunder so tough to defend, so tough to beat. Is whenever you can uh, pass the baton to the bench, and they can they can continue to build on the lead, and they can continue to to play good basketball in the non-SGA minutes, which they've done the last two nights. Now, the last two games have been against teams on the second night of a back-to-back, so so that helps too. But in general, they're just playing better basketball uh, than they were previously when SGA is not on the court and it is helping them get wins because we know what SGA can do when he is 
on the court. So the Thunder take this 26-point lead, but then the third quarter rolls around. And this is a problem area for Oklahoma City where this is a young team trying to figure out how to keep your foot on the gas, how to play with a lead. We've seen them uh, give away leads you know, in this third quarter many times this season. The Mavs cut this lead all the way down to just nine points in the third. But the Thunder immediately respond, and they go on the 16-0 run. They go back up 24 points, and you're thinking, hey, the Thunder have learned the lessons, right? They've learned from that Hawks game. They've learned from the Pelicans game. They've learned from uh, these games where uh, they, they give away the lead, and, and they've been able to now go on a 16-0 run. Everything's back under control. Not so fast. Not when you have Luka. Not when you have uh, Seth Curry reigning threes and the AAC starts getting jumping. The Mavs go on a 30-0 run. It is undeniable that you play terrible basketball if you give up a 30-0 run. Like, like in that sequence of events, in order for the other team to go on a 30-0 run, you have to play awful basketball. That's just the honest truth. There is, there's nothing else to say other than they were playing terrible in that stint of time. And they should embrace the fact that they were playing terrible in that stint of time. What is encouraging about that stint of time is you're on the road, the crowd's into it. You're facing off with a, a generational player in Luka Doncic, who, who is just having his way out there. And this is the one area where you know, I, don't, I don't think that the Thunder just let Luka, you know, do whatever he wanted to. Luka is just that good. Like I thought, Kaysen played well. Uh, I thought Lou played well on, on Luka. It's just that Luka is Luka. So like that's the only area where I will say like, hey, he's going to go off because he's going to go off against anybody because he's Luka Doncic. But other than that, like a 30 0 run is inexcusable. What is what is encouraging is this young Thunder team, you know, of their active, you know, their, of their rotational players, your second youngest roster in the NBA. This this Thunder team to let up a 30-0 run, and you're trying to exhaust every resource. You're, you're you're changing things up. You're you've blown all the timeouts by the four minute mark of the fourth quarter because you're just trying to uh, stop the bleeding. For them to respond that way, again, no timeouts after the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter. So, like, this was all on the players. This was all, this was all on, on player execution. This was all on them figuring this out. To, to be able to handle the 30-0 run and get down six in the fourth quarter and fight back with your own 14-3 run and win the game by six, that just shows the level of resolve and maturity for this team. And, and basketball maturity, you know, is not ba based on on necessarily like how how many years you are into the NBA. We typically view it that way because we you know traditionally speaking, you do have to uh, go through the growing pains and you have to experience playoff losses and grow together and and learn you know and learn kind of by failure pretty much. This Thunder team is clearly learning on the job. They're clearly learning while doing it. This was not the same Thunder team that blew that big lead to the Pelicans. This was not the same Thunder team, uh, you know, th th that lost their lead to Atlanta. Like they did lose the lead, they did they did let up thirty nothing. But like for the fact of this young Thunder team to give up a thirty zero run, I can guarantee you nobody on the court in their playing career, high school, college, NBA, any level, had ever been on the wrong side of a thirty zero run. To be on the wrong side of a thirty zero run, and you just have to feel. Terrible. Like, imagine what you felt. And this isn't like you're not the one out there, you know, getting embarrassed on the court. So imagine what they felt giving up a 30 0 run. The whole lead withers away. You thought you had this game in hand. And instead of, 
you know, instead of kind of shriveling up and and pouting or or pressing or doing just they continued to play their style of basketball. They continued to fight and they won the game. That mental toughness and maturity to handle runs is what it takes to win in the NBA. So you can give all the qualifiers. You can talk about how young they are. You can talk about how, you know, this team is uh, ahead of schedule or what the schedule is, what the timeline is. The bottom line is what it takes to win in the NBA is handling the fact that basketball is a game of runs. And we've seen now, you know, close to 20 games of them handling runs and winning more often than not. So this is a team that is, is top five, both in offensive and defensive uh, net rating. The only NBA team to be top five in both the, the Celtics and Nuggets are top 10 in both. They are incredible on the road. Only two road losses this year. Uh, and, and they have won seven times away from home. They're 13 and six third seed in the West. And this young team continues to defy what you think would be normal. It's not normal to go and let up a 30 0 run, but when you do, if it's ever, if it's ever been done, when you do let that up, to be able to recover and win the game is unheard of, especially when you let that up in the fourth quarter, especially whenever you find yourself down four points with four minutes, I mean, six points with four minutes to go after that onslaught from Dallas. Like, you know, basketball is such a game of runs like, yeah, you get down by 20 in the first quarter, it's not over, obviously. You, you saw that tonight even in this win for Oklahoma City. But when you let it happen at the end of the fourth quarter, usually it's over. Like, usually it's over. And – you know, Mark tried everything he could to stop the bleeding. Again, he used all his timeouts by the four-minute mark. From there on out, the players had to play, and the players did come through. And, like, it was the players who you're going to lean on. It was J-Dub with the go-ahead bucket. It was SGA with a steal, coast-to-coast, exclamation point. It was Chet Holmgren with the blocks and the points down the stretch. Like, your players who you're going to rely on to win you games are just better. They're just ahead of schedule. They're just whatever you want to call it, you know, more mature than, than their, than their NBA experience, whatever you want to call it, but they have it. They have it. And the Thunder won the rebounding battle. They got 50 rebounds a, a season high. Obviously that's the nature of, of shooting a ton of shots in both directions. Uh, they forced 15 turnovers. OKC only gave away 12 turnovers. The Thunder shot 44, 45, 81. Dallas shot 44, 36, 65. The Thunder won in the paint. 42 to 36, they won second chance points and they won fast break points. So the Thunder were just awesome all around in this game outside of a 30-0 run by Dallas, which it's just laughable the fact that that even happened. Five lead changes, two times tied, and this is what winning looks like in the NBA. This team has arrived. This team is good. This team is built to win NBA basketball. Now, I don't know what's going to hold in April, right? So don't don't misconstrue this as they're going to win the championship of this year. What I do know is the nucleus that you are relying on, the J-Dubs, the Chets, the Shays, the Cations, like the Isaiah Joes, the guys you are relying on who we're going to talk about coming up, those guys have it. Those guys are 16-game players, 16-win players. Those guys can really help you go far in the NBA. Might not be this year. Because I do believe in the postseason that it's a different game. And I do believe in the postseason that you have to, you know, go through some battles and learn on the fly. And it's harder to learn on the fly in the postseason. You know, learn on the fly there. You lose a couple of games, the series is over, and you're in a, you're in a huge hole versus in the 82-game season. But like still, the guys you're going to hope to get you to the other side, you already have that base. 
you already have that base of guys who who are going to be the reason why you eventually, hopefully for the Thunder, win a championship. Like these are going to be your championship level players. It's just a matter of how quickly can that come together. It's come together extremely fast in the regular season. But the postseason is a different game. But for right now, the Thunder have what it takes to win night, night in and night out. There is not a, thing, a single team who, like, they have no shot of beating night in and night out in the NBA. There's, of course, more difficult matchups than others. But there is no team who, if they're coming up on a Tuesday, that you look at and go, well, that's an obvious loss. You know, Denver blew them out in the home opener. Well aware of that. You re-rack that game. Yes, it's a very, very, very tough matchup just because of the way that the two teams play. But it's not as though it's an automatic loss. And there's just something, and, and I know that this is this has nothing to do with the players on the court tonight, but something symbolic about December 2nd, two years ago, the Thunder were on the wrong side of the worst loss in NBA history, dropping a game by over 70 points. This time, they give up one of the worst runs in NBA history, giving up a 30-0 run, they win the game. And look, from that from that Grizzlies team, uh, you know, that loss to the Grizzlies, only three players are still on the team. Only one of them actually plays, and that's Lou Dort. So, like, it's it doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of interesting. Happened on the same day, and the Thunder are here now. After suffering that brutal loss two years ago, now they have the best future in the NBA. Now they have players who you would consider – you know, championship quality players. And we'll we'll see if that ever materializes. We'll see when that ever materializes. But nonetheless, they have those kind of guys in-house right now in Oklahoma City. This is the group. This is the group that can get it done for OKC. We'll talk about it more coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but good, good times, good friends over at Game Time. Good time, good friends, Game Time. Check it out today. Uh, go there, create your account, use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Folks, that's $20 off your first purchase. So what game time is, you get last-minute tickets, you get the lowest prices, guaranteed. And so, you know, it's the NBA, right? You just never quite know who's going to play. You know, Thursday was a great example of it. You're you're sitting around downtown Oklahoma City. Is LeBron going to play? Is he not going to play? You get wind of LeBron playing 30 minutes before tip-off, that would have been the perfect time to hop onto game time and get you those last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. They have flash deals. They have zone deals. They have tickets for concerts, sports, movies, comedy shows, theater, everything that you want. And you also get a view from your seat. View from your seat so you know exactly what you're getting into. And my personal favorite part about game time is it shows you the prices up front. There's no hidden fees. It's not like, oh, you're looking at it on the surface and then you go check it out and whoa, now the, now the total is totally different. No, you get the total right there as you're picking out the tickets that you want. It makes buying it so much easier. You get the tickets in, in, in seconds. It's over there at game time. Check it out today. Game time. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $20 off your first purchase when you use code LOCKEDONNBA. Terms and conditions apply. Create that account. Redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. For $20 off your first purchase at game time. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Chet Holmgren just has a knack for clutch plays and, and playing well in the clutch. 11 points in this game for Chet Holmgren. Those were huge 11 points, 11 rebounds, so a double-double for Chet. Three assists, a steal, five blocks, five blocks. Folks, he had three blocks and four points in the final three minutes of this game. He was an absolute 
closer, sparking a, a Dallas timeout uh, with a block and finish on the other end. He just makes plays at the end of games. And some players have that end of game juice and, and they have the ability to always be in the action and always uh, be the ones coming up in, in big spots down the stretch and others don't. Chet Holmgren has that it factor. He has that ability to come up big late in games. He did a great job, of course, uh, with some follow-up putbacks in this game. He made some great passes like multiple times down the stretch of this game where the shots didn't fall, so it doesn't really materialize for anything on the box score, but still really good passes from Chet Holmgren. And I love the way that they used him finally uh, toward the end of this game. They have to do it more. Like You have to do this more whenever Shea is double-teamed, but using him at the elbow, using him at the nail in the mid-range to be uh, this offensive hub, is really, really smart. And, and it resulted in some really good action whenever whenever Shea is double-teamed, uh, basically as soon as he crosses the timeline. He had a play even where he had two two good options. I think that he picked the lesser of the two good options, but still, it was a good option. So he had a, a pass from SGA out of the double-team, and he gets the ball on the elbow. He's wide open, nobody around him. He, he could have easily popped the mid-range jumper, but instead, he dishes it outside, sprays it out to the slot, and gets Lou Dort, who's open for a three. Lou Dort missed the shot. And independent of Lou Dort missing the shot, you know, Chet was way more wide open than Lou Dort was. Lou Dort was still open and still a fine shot. But like Chet was just nobody was around him. Uh, I would have liked to see Chet just shoot that because you you like whenever Chet shoots mid-range jumpers. I know it's kind of taboo in modern NBA, but like Chet shooting mid-range jumpers is a good thing. But you can see how when you put him in that action to to disrupt and, and, and kind of uh, – kind of help facilitate the offense after Shea gets doubled, it can really help the Thunder thrive in those scenarios. So Chet was awesome in this game. He had a, he had a bad play where like this just kind of shows, and I'm only putting out a bad play just because it kind of shows the competitive nature of Chet and like the just the mental toughness of Chet, right? Like this is a rookie who just saw his team go on the wrong end of a 30-0 run. You know, the, the icing on the cake was – him going into a timeout, he gets pickpocketed by Luca. Just clean. Luca picks his pocket, goes coast to coast with a finish. That being the lasting image of a of a thirty something oh run, right into a timeout where now you're getting to think about it. Now the crowd is into it even more, uh, and now it really feels dire. It really feels like, hey, we've let go of the rope in a big way. We've let go of this lead. This game feels over it used to feel over in the good direction now it feels over in the bad direction to immediately respond from that play with the uh you know blocks and the points and and delivering the thunder a win as a rookie not even 20 games into his career that just shows where Chet's at and so like that is a that is a bad play like no one's gonna no one is is going to dispute that like getting your pocket picked by Luca is a bad play but it's the response to that play uh that is so good it's the response to a 30-0 run they get it there were some people like trying to have the novel take of like, I, I don't care that the Thunder are young. No one, no one is good giving up a 30 0 run. Okay, yeah, giving up a 30 0 run is not the objective of my upwards third grade team or the Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals, Dallas Mavericks, Oklahoma City Thunder, UNC Tar Heels. It's not the objective of the Kansas Jayhawks and Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It's not the object, you know, objection anywhere, right? The Eisenhower Eagles are not trying to give up a 30-0 run on the wrong end of it. That's never going to be the case. Like, yes, congratulations, great take. It's not good to go down 30-0 in a 30-0 run. Brilliant. Bravo. That is savant-level analysis. But it's how the Thunder responded to it. That did allow them to have a good lesson from this. It did allow them to have um, a, a teaching moment either way, even if they would have lost this game. The teaching moment is, 
hey guys, listen, uh, that's an NBA team that didn't have that didn't have Kawhi. I mean, sorry, didn't have Kyrie, didn't have uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., didn't have Josh Green, and you were up by twenty four. Felt like the game was over. You start the coast, and boom! In a matter of seconds, you get a thirty zero run. Hey guys, in the NBA, yeah, you can't ever take your foot off the gas in the NBA. You're never going downhill in the NBA where where you can just let the foot off the gas and your speed's going to continue to roll. Right, you're always heading uphill in the NBA against modern offenses. Like so, that's what they learned. It just so happened that they got to learn that with a win, and they got to learn that within this game. But yeah, congratulations. Yeah, they're, they're, they were not trying to go down 30-0 and uh, going, you know, in a 30-0 run uh, that was not great for any team, regardless of how of their age. Perfectly good analysis there. Uh, but Chet Holmgren did a really good job of, of being able to respond and being able to help the Thunder win games. I thought SGA was hugely impactful, didn't have the 40-point, 30-point night. He only scores 17 points. He starts out one point in the first quarter, 0 for 4 shooting, right there, very uncharacteristic. Rest of the way, he misses seven shots total in this game for 17 points. Three rebounds, nine assists, five steals, and a block for him. Just two turnovers, a plus eight in this game. Had poor spacing in this game, getting doubled. Those things happen, but still, he he made the big plays when it mattered most, like those, like those huge steals down the stretch of this game. Uh, Jay Will from Arkansas. Jay Will, of course, in case you still are kind of are uh, shaky on the whole Dub Will situation. Awesome first half. This was the perfect game from Jalen Williams. You saw the perfect game from him and Dallas Bertans of what was scripted for them in the preseason. We've been talking at nauseum in the preseason on this show about Jay Will is going to take a massive leap as a as a second year player simply because you are now asking him to play the role he played last year only in reduced minutes to where he's able to just give you a huge punch. That's exactly what happened. 14 minutes, he scored 14 points, went four for five, four for five from three, three rebounds, two charges drawn, broke up a Mavericks lob play, plus 16 points, you know, in the plus minus. Jay Whale was great in the first in the first half, and he, he allowed the Thunder to have spacing even whenever Chet was off the floor uh, and he was kind of being that five for SGA. That, that's the perfect J-Wall game. And it, and it all came in a half, but it was a, it was a great half to have it. And obviously, this game tightened up to where you needed every single bucket. J-Dub out of Santa Clara was also big. You know, he's been huge in the second quarters. This second quarter of this game, four points, two assists, and a steal in the second frame. He had the go-ahead bucket late. He had 23 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal, and only one turnover. Using him as the secondary creator uh, – I'm sorry, using him as the primary creator for that secondary group – is the right decision. Like he is, he is the man for the job. It shows his versatility because he can go from playing, you know, wing to to playing point guard pretty much for that secondary group. I mean, he was out there to start the second quarter with with Wiggins and Kenrich Williams and uh and Chet and, and those guys. Like he was the point guard. But uh yeah, he, he was awesome at creating for himself and others and being a scorer to help bridge the gap. Um but before Shea can get back in the game in his rotations. Coming up, let's talk Kaysen. Let's talk Isaiah Joe. Let's talk Bertans. And we're going to have your takeaways from this game. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel is great. FanDuel is where you want to go. Uh, go to FanDuel.com slash on right now to get started. When you do, for new customers, you place that $5 Moneyline bet. You're going to get $150 in bonus bets if your $5 money line bet hits. 
That's all you got to do. Your new customer, $5 money line bet, it hits, and you get 150 bucks in bonus bets. The money line is just who you think is going to win. That's all it is. So you can simply take the largest favorite on the board. They actually do win, and boom, you win $150 in bonus bets. Right now is a great time for FanDuel because you have college basketball, you have the NBA, you have the NHL, you have the NFL, and we're about to hit college football bowl season. You're going to have some time off for the holidays. Bowl games come on at all hours of the day. Being a lot of fun to uh, to get in on fandle.com slash locked on. Go there right now. Fandle.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Casey Wallace, 50% from the floor, two for seven from three, six boards, 15 points. I think he did a really good job defending Luka. He did a really good job of staying planted, uh, not buying on fakes, staying under him, not giving him space on those step backs and, and fall away shots. He's an elite defender, and, and Luka Doncic is an elite scorer. Luka Doncic just... Luka Doncic, there are no words to describe uh, how good he is. I'm not envious of Nick Angstead of Locked on Mavs. Go listen to that today and drop in their thunder up in the comments on YouTube. But uh, Luka Doncic, 36 points, you know, 18 assists, 15 rebounds. There's no words. You, you just can't describe how awesome he was in this game. First game back as a dad, he had he had one of those uh, one of those games and and. and there's just nothing you can do. I, I I don't believe the Thunder poorly defended Luka at all. I, I believe the Thunder played really good defense on Luka pretty consistently this game. Luka is just special. Luka is just special. <laughs> and and Kaysen deserves a lot of credit for some of the contests he had on Luka well, that, did, that did result in misses and also some that resulted in makes that were just really good uh, contests in general. Isaiah Joe, really good shooting. Two for five from three, two assists, seven rebounds, forced an eight-second call to get a stop after a big three. Hits a big three. Jason Kidd calls a timeout. Eight-second call forced by Isaiah Joe. Massive momentum swing for OKC and a plus 10 in this game. We mentioned the J-Will perfect script game. This was Dallas Breton's perfect script game. He plays 11 minutes, goes three for three from three, gets fouled twice on three-point shots, scores 15 points, gets a steal and a rebound as well. Uh, played alongside Chet. That was nice, but... Go all the way back to the time he was traded for. This was the best case scenario for Dallas Bertans. You put him in for a 10-minute stretch. He turns the game on its head with three-point shooting. You get him out, and that's it. He did his job. Dallas Bertans did his job in this game. Great job by him. MVP of the game. Let's go Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, MVP of the game. This is going to be a great week of shows for you. We have a weird setup this week in terms of like game coverages because uh, there's only the Wednesday Rockets game or Thursday Rockets game whenever that game is, no, Wednesday Rockets game, Friday Warriors game. So in between there, we're going to have Monday, we're going to have your fake trades, so you can still drop those on Twitter uh, and on the YouTube comment sections. We're going to preview the week ahead. We're going to give you where the rotation stands right now and if there should be any kind of tweaks to it. Tuesday, it's all about you. Your mailbag questions will guide the show. Wednesday, a special guest. Thursday, the Rockets recap. Friday, the Warriors preview. And how far can this team get in the playoffs? Saturday, the Warriors recap. But right now, we're going to do your takeaways. So your takeaways, let's start with Frosty. Luca is really good. He is. He is really, really good. Uh, uh, Kat says, Shea should be the MVP frontrunner and Chet is the rookie of the year frontrunner. I agree on both fronts. Uh, I agree on both fronts. Um, OKC Access said, would love to be in the final timeout huddle. 
Uh, it was a gutsy thing to call your last time out with four and a half minutes left, but uh, whatever Mark said must have worked. Yeah, I, uh, I, I imagine there was a lot of uh, screaming in the, in the timeout huddle, uh, if I just had to guess. But uh, Andrew uh, Baxter says, are the Thunder ahead of schedule in terms of the rebuild? I mean, I, I would assume so. I would assume that like this team is ahead of schedule. Now, what does that mean? I don't think it means like people assume it does. Like being ahead of schedule, it doesn't mean they're going to go all in and, and like trade for a star because this team, frankly, might not need a star. Like, this team, frankly, might not need a guy that's going to take up 15, 15 shots a night. Uh, like that's not what this team uh, needs at all, in my opinion. So like the, the whatever they do will not look like trading for insert superstar to hit the market, in my opinion. So have they had a schedule? I think that can be much better this year than people thought. But does that translate to anything? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, we can continue on here with your takeaways. Andrew says Davos has a role in the team next year. Uh, oh, on this year's team. Oh, on this year's team. Sure. I mean, the role is what he did tonight, you know, 10, 10 minutes and, and shoots threes. And, and that's what the contract restructure did for him is it opens up a lane to try him in more games and try him uh, in these situations. So we'll see if he can, uh, if he can, you know, catch fire uh, in more games than this. Uh, so Andrew also says, uh, says the Thunder are a resilient young team. Uh, you can call this OKC's worst stretch, the 30-0 run, but also their most impressive win. It's, it is a it is a interesting dichotomy between those two things, but it's true. Uh, terrible stretch, 30-0 run, you're going to be bad in that stretch to, to be able to pull that off in a bad way. But to pull off the win was really, really good. Um, serious marbles displayed tonight. Yeah, there there was Chet, Shea, J-Dub, just an overall awesome thing for the team as french bread says french bread really really good uh by the way uh took a, took a punch to the teeth got back up to close it out tough win on the road shows maturity uh i i cannot agree more with that takeaway with that assessment uh few things here uh from solid seven josh giddy does not deserve to start purely from a basketball case scenario uh Kaysen is a better player uh long term and better impactful Look, I'm, I'm glad you said basketball scenario. We're only talking about basketball here. Like, this is just about basketball for this Josh Giddy assessment. Yes, Josh Giddy is playing awful basketball. The Thunder, like, are realizing that. Again, he's playing awful. The Thunder aren't playing him. Like, this was a, this was a season low in minutes. Uh, yes, he's technically being announced on the PA address and uh, is a starter. But he played, you know, whatever he played, 16 minutes tonight. Like, 16 minutes is, is nothing. That is That is – that is into the bench type of minutes. I mean, Jay will play 14. Jay will by no means started. And he didn't play in the second half. Like uh, Josh Kitty only played, you know, two or three minutes in the second half. That was the difference between um, Josh and, and Jay will's game tonight in terms of minute uh, workload. The, the difference was Josh played, you know, 345 in the second half and Jay will played, uh, he played four minutes in the second half, uh, but he didn't play, of course, uh, a lot in the uh, early part of the first quarter. That was more really the difference there. Nonetheless, like Josh isn't playing. He's not playing because he's not playing good basketball. He, he is he is just not an impactful player right now in a positive way. The the, the teams are not uh, 
defending him at all. It's allowing them to use their center, you know, in, in kind of a free safety type role where they can just clog the lane and clean up shots on the back end because no one cares about closing out on Josh Giddy. And to Josh Giddy's credit, I mean, he still made multiple threes tonight. He went two for six from three. He made one good pass to, to Kaysen that didn't result in an assist because it was because it resulted in free throws. It would have been an assist uh, if, if the Mavs didn't foul him. But still, Josh Giddy is just not playing good basketball. He, he, he's not he's not as good as a, as a playmaker in this stretch right now. He's not as good as a, of a rebounder in this stretch right now. Uh, he's not scoring at all. And, and the bottom line is, it, it, he's not a good defender. Like he's not doing anything good right now on the court now. That doesn't mean that he's never going to be a good basketball player or that he previously wasn't a good basketball player. He was really good this summer in FIBA. But as we talked about this summer in FIBA, the difference for Josh is not his three-point shooting. Because like it is a pipe dream to believe that Josh Giddy can ever become a three-point shooter that will gain respect. Even if Josh Giddy shoots technically league average in the in the ledger, right? Technically speaking, he, you know, even if he shoots league average, he's never going to have the amount of, of attempts that will make you change the way you defend him. Look at Jay will I mean, Jay will shot 40% from three last year. Like he shot 40%. And teams still are not just, you know, viciously closing out to Jay will They oftentimes leave him on, on the perimeter and it results in a game like this where, where he shoots four for five from three. But but you live with that, right? Like you, you'll live with Hey, if you're going to let Jay will shoot five times from three, we're going to we're going to be fine with that. That's how they're going to treat Josh Giddy. So the difference in Josh Giddy's offensive game to me is not his three point shooting. He, he's shooting thirty percent from three. He shot thirty two percent last year. Even if he does become a thirty five percent three point shooter, it doesn't matter on the on those shot attempts. The difference for Josh Giddy's game is going to be how he can score in the other two areas. Can you score in the mid range and can you score at the rim? Because if you can do that. And you can make uh, your teams respect your hard drives and shade over to you as you're driving or as you're taking a step into the mid-range or as you're trying to score. If you can make them respect you and keep a man with you, then, you know, much less if you do get by your man and get to the rim and you when you bring someone over to try to defend you at the rim, then his playmaking can take over and he can be able to dish it out and he can be able to uh, find the open man or he can just simply convert. Uh, at, at the rim if he's able to to get better. But right now, he's not scoring at any of the three levels. We know his deficiencies uh, defensively. He's not rebounding the ball very well. Like, he's just not playing good basketball. Uh, and so from, from a from a basketball standpoint, sure, you can say he doesn't, uh, you know, deserve to, to start. But to me, the starting thing just doesn't matter. Like, it, to me, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who plays and it matters who closes. Josh is not playing right now. Josh hasn't played 30 minutes in, like, you know, 10 games or whatever it's been like, he's, he's just not playing. Like he is starting, but, but they're not leaving him out there for a significant amount of time. And, and, and you're never going to play your sixth overall pick. You're still developing. You're never going to play him zero minutes. So they've cut his minutes down you know, as dramatically as you can. They see it too. Like Mark sees it too. Mark's not playing him. Like Mark, if, if he was still starting and playing 30 minutes, I'd be with you, but he's not being played. Because he's not playing good basketball. And now maybe uh he can play good basketball in the future. I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say that like he he can never he can never become a good basketball player. But yeah, he's not playing good basketball right now. That that's not like like no one is shying away from that. Not even the Thunder are shying away from that because they're not playing him. So that's kind of where I'm at on Josh Kitty. Uh 
I don't know if he's magically going to start shooting the ball better at the rim or magically start shooting the ball better in the mid-range or or, or become a, a better uh, just overall player. He's shown those flashes within this season even. Like, go back to that Spurs game. He, he played good. But you've just got to get it to a more consistent level and you've got to get him turned around. He had his best stretch of basketball last year, uh, kind of end of uh, end of December and then in January when the whole team was clicking. Maybe that's the time frame that will take off this year as well. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's not playing good. But I just – I wouldn't worry too much about who's starting. I, I would not worry yourself with, like, oh, Kaysen should be starting because he's better. <sighs> okay, I mean, like, yeah. But, like, the starting stuff, it, it's just a fruitless debate to me because of the way that they're handling it on the back end. If it wasn't handled right in the back end, it'd be a different conversation. But just watch who plays and who doesn't. And and you'll see, like, like the, the Thunder will play the guys who give them a chance to win. They've been doing that. And uh, it, it could swing back around at any moment. Like, at, at any moment, Josh could start playing basketball uh, the way that he has before in the NBA, the way that he has in FIBA uh, at any moment. But as of right this second, he's not playing good. He's not playing. That's, that's the end of it. That is the end of it. That's the end of today's show as well. So we'll talk to you again on Monday. Until then, be good and be good to one 